Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Bostonians? I don't know. I am Mark Marin. This is live WTF at the Wilbur Theater. Boston, Massachusetts! Boston! All right. The Wang Center. I don't know. How many people were here the last show? Oh, my God. I can't tell any of the same shit. How many people weren't here? All right. Well, this guy... I gotta do it. How can you not do it? That was like, it was like the moment I knew I was in Boston. I didn't know I was in Boston for about a day because I'm staying at the W. What the fuck is that place? It's very nice, but it doesn't fit in. This is not the Boston I remember. It was filthy here, it was filthy. But it still is filthy. I saw, I don't know, I think I saw 12 year olds in stiletto heels last night outside of those clubs. <laughs> Fucking 12 year olds. I felt wrong looking at them. Did not stop me, but I felt wrong. What is going on over there? Didn't all that shit used to be on Lansdowne Street, or am I not remembering it properly? Was it, it wasn't always right there, was it? It was just a parade of fucking date rape. That was all that was going on there. It was ridiculous. A bunch of crying stories at the end of whatever happens there. Do you know what I mean? You just see these girls. I don't know where they drive in from, some, someplace where they're sneaking out. Um, <laughs> just dolled up, just looking for, I don't know, children. I don't know. But I didn't really know I was in Boston until I was staying at that corner crossing the street for last show, and there was just some old dude, it must have been a middle-aged dude, he must have been with other people, right behind me. I just heard him go, ah, Wang Senna. <laughs> Wang, it's, it says Wang right there. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. Fucking Wang. This is a middle-aged man. So what have I been doing? I don't know. I, you know, I was writing down sort of stories because when I do these shows, there are guys on this show tonight that, uh, that I used to not, not only open for, but I mean, some of the, like DJ, DJ, DJ Hazard's here. <laughs> DJ Hazard is one of the first people I ever saw doing live stand-up comedy outside of like seeing like George Carlin when I was a kid. Like when I was in college and I just got in here, I went to play it against Sam's in Austin and I went to that basement and that giant DJ Hazard was on stage doing jokes, and I'm like, holy fuck, I've never heard of this guy, and he's great. You mean people just do this for a job? And, and that's what inspired me. George McDonald is here. He was hosting uh, Comedy Hell at, at Stitches. It was one of the first open mics I ever did. Teddy Bergeron is here, who is, Teddy Bergeron is like one of the funniest fucking people in the world. So let's see what happens. Um, who else is here? Rick Jenkins is here. Uh, from the uh, comedy studio. Sue Costello is here. Dan Crone is here. But like, I kept trying to think, like, why the fuck? Like, when I come back to Boston, like, there's so many memories to the point where I had to drive to a Chinese restaurant in Chicopee last night, and I was sure, I was, it was funny, but they already heard it. The Hooky Lao. I'm going to take that as acknowledgement, not support, you know. Like, I think it's a, it's a great place, but it seems like a place where it's like, well, where do you want to go? I don't know, that, you know, okay, we'll go there. Um, 
Where else are you going to go? But I did gigs like that all over the fucking place. So I was writing down these things that happened to me in the Boston countryside, the New England countryside, driving to fucking one-nighters to do shows at bowling alleys, Mexican restaurants in Franklin, Massachusetts, banditos in Fall River. I used to, like, Frank's in Franklin, you'd go do the gig, and then you'd have to babysit Frank because he was too drunk to fucking deal with anything. You'd do the show, and the owner would just sit there and be going, oh, my fucking life's not working out. <laughs> and you were trying to get paid. He's like, oh, what the fuck I'm going to do with this place? I can't. <laughs> and that was part of your job, <laughs> was to sit there and deal with drunk Frank. Um, I remember Cranston, Rhode Island, there was a bowling alley gig at the Cranston Bowl where you'd go and you'd actually walk in during bowling with the oldies. You know, like you'd see all the lanes were darkened and Wooly Bully was playing and people were just like, you know, like, and then you'd go into this lounge where they'd have the comedy. Do you know what I'm, ta- you know what I'm talking about? I just remember one thing, there was a thing that happened to me there that I would never fucking forget. Like, I, there was, it was the first night of, of bowling, uh, comedy at Cranston Bowl and uh, it was packed. Like 400 people in the room. At that time, I was doing this horrendously wrong-minded joke about plane crashes. I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was a joke about plane crashes. But, you know, the, the punchline had to do... It, the, the joke was something about there was a plane crash, people survived, and many of them went on to catch connecting flights. And, and I... And, like, you know, the tag, you know, for those of you who are... The tag was... Uh, for those of you who are connecting, uh, you're, you know, go to uh, whatever, Counter 6 for the information. And for those of you who lost loved ones or traveling companions, they're on Carousel 6 in the baggage claimer. Like, it was like that fucking fucked up. That's who I was then, right? So I'm in the middle of this fucking horrible joke that's going well because it's funny. In a packed bowling alley lounge. And it's going well. And then in the middle of this joke, I just hear this woman go, Stop talking about plane crashes! <laughs> and like, you know, I knew right away that I just hit the, the, the anti-lottery. I, I, there was a woman who had lost somebody on a plane crash. My fucking luck. You know, I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> but I knew in my mind that's what I was dealing with. You know, she couldn't control the emotion. So I said, uh, um... You know, of course, that stopped the fucking show. And I just said, I'm sorry, did you, did, did you lose someone in a plane crash? She goes, yes! And I go, look, I'll just do my cancer shit. You know, I, I got... <laughs> and that, that eased the moment. Sorry. <laughs> Let me read a few emails and we'll start. All right, here we go. Uh, subject line, fuck the game. In the time I've been listening, uh, I've, I've composed many emails to you in my head, but never actually wrote them down. But, there is, there, but here's my opportunity. Not only will I be seeing you in Seattle, but also I had an epiphany about your show that you might find amusing. Here it is. The other day, Almost Famous was on TV. So my husband and I started watching. I hadn't seen it since becoming a Marin fan and was looking forward to your part. So there, we, there you were yelling, lock the gates. And my husband, who has listened to about a two dozen podcasts to my 200, says, yeah, that's what he says at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> Me, uh, colon, no, he doesn't. He says, fuck the game. <laughs> husband, colon, gives me crazy look. 
I pull out my laptop, laptop and take a listen. Lo and behold, you are saying, lock the gates. And I am an idiot. For about two years now, I thought you were saying, fuck the game. As in, fuck show business. I'm going rogue with this podcast. I probably won't have time to get my hearing checked before your show, so I will try to sit close to the stage, looking forward to it. Fuck the game. <laughs> Stephanie, P.S. Boomer lives. <laughs> Tripping on shrooms, I was marining. I think this guy's here. Phil? All right. So I'm just going to skip the part where you go, I had to get this to you quick, so if you wanted to read it in Boston, I would be there. All right. Um, <laughs> so to the heart of the subject, when watching my parents' house for them while they were on vacation a few years back, my buddy brought over some shrooms, and the night, needless to say, took an interesting turn. After various bouts of using laser eyes to stop the lamps from dancing, <laughs> trying to escape from the obnoxiously claustrophobic design of the bathroom wallpaper... <laughs> and spending what seemed like an eternity debating with my then passed out dog if I was in a comic book or not. <laughs> my last stop on this hallucinogenic train was my entire being invoked by your Jewy Karawakian comedy spirit. <laughs> Having recently listened to the Louis C.K. episodes, at the time I was spouting off phrases like, well, I don't know, maybe, or you know what, fuck it. And it all seemed to flow with the entertaining anger and wit you dispense like a switchblade. My buddy, watching me while, I was snapping his while, while he was snapping his fingers and weirdly bobbing his head, stopped me after a couple of minutes to ask me exactly what I was doing. I shook my head in disbelief and shot back at him, if you don't stop acting like an asshole, this will never air. <laughs> it was great and outerworldly, to say the least. Outworldly. Big fan of the show and happy to see good things coming your way. Looking forward to the show. Thank you, Phil. All right, this, one, this one's good. My brother is an evil hippie. This one's good because this guy's like the real deal. Not, not that you're not, Phil, but there's a little bullshit in that one. Am I right? Sorry. Are we really the dog in the comic book thing? Come on, really? All right. The, um, good writer. You're a good writer. I saw the intention. You know, if you hadn't set it up with, man, I got to get you this to read live. If you hadn't set it up that way, I wouldn't have thought, like, this guy's a writer. He's pretty funny. All right. The, um, I'm kidding. Thank you for sharing. Don't hurt yourself. My brother is an evil hippie. You with me? All right. Well, hi, Mark. Sometimes on your show you talk about evil hippies, and I never really got what you were talking about. I mean, I'm from Oregon, and I smoke a lot of weed, and I spend all my bar mitzvah money on a canoe. <laughs> That's the line right there. <laughs> this has been going on for a while. I live in a co-op, or at least the contractually enforced ruins of a co-op. I've been spat on by a drunk shaman. Point is, I feel like I've met some hippies, and I'd never really have called them evil. But you always say that on your show. 
that's something about your show. I feel like you say things that make a lot of sense. You seem to be the only one I see who's as irrationally anxious and freaked out by the world as everybody I know is, but your cultural references go way over my head. And I thought maybe Evil Hippie was just one of those things you talked about from elsewhere in space time. But I just realized something. I was with my brother in the kitchen after smoking. I was watching him gulp down plain spaghetti, the biggest fucking bites I've ever seen in the gross white kitchen light. He looked like a python eating a peccary. It was alarming watching him choke down the rope of pasta. He's pale and has super black hair, his lips pierced. So is his septum. It's sort of a pointy neon green horseshoe. And I realized my brother is an evil hippie. I completely get what you mean now. It's super intense and now I'm a little freaked out. I feel like he's got some sort of creepy dark power. Subject line, heterosex club. Check out Club Sesso in Portland. My girl and I travel up from LA every few months and we have sex with each other in front of others. It's chill, laid back, and quite fun. I'd invite you along, but that might be awkward. That's it. All right, here's the last one. Classic miss here. Hey Mark, I think I may have heard you say nip it in the butt instead of nip it in the bud, referring to nipping something like a bud of a flower to prevent it from growing. It reminded me that I used to say, for all intensive purposes, instead of for all intents and purposes. My friend had the best one. He thought the Kiss song said, I want to rock and roll all night and part of every day. <laughs> wait, wait, he goes, do you think Paul Stanley would only party part of the day? No fucking way. <laughs> the be best gym. All right, there you go. Some emails. All right, I'm going to bring out this first guy, but I want to bring you out. I want to bring him out with, with what he wrote me to get on the show. Is that all right, Dan? Huh? All right, this is from Dan Crone. And I booked him on the show. I booked him because he, he, you know, a lot of people, I watch his tapes and, a lot, and he's from here and a lot of people want me to have him on. But this is after I booked him on the show. He goes, hey man, I'm reaching out not only to thank you for putting me on the live show, but to give you some more background on me. I have to, I feel like I have to get out of my head, but I'll try and make it quick. I've been living in Somerville and doing comedy eight years. Born in California, I grew up in Brookline and was introduced to comedy early by my dad who owned a record store in Kenmore Square. Records were everywhere. Besides Hendrix, Muddy, and BB, there was Henny Youngman and Steve Martin and Cheech and Chong. I was listening to comedy at 10 years old. I met Johnny Carson when I was 15, seeing Jurassic Park in Malibu. Soon Yi, Woody's wife slash adopted daughter, was one of my camp counselors at sweepover camp in Maine. I would get kicked out of Hebrew school class for listening to comic relief, relief tapes. Forgot about wanting to be a comedian for a while, distracted by college and being in punk bands that only played handfuls of shows. Got a creative de writing degree from a college that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Started comedy at Dick Dougherty's Comedy Vault. Did the door and rose to the ranks of, the, of a slow weekend penciled-in headliner. Started a punk rock stand-up show for a couple years that got sort of big and booked bands and my friends. I did some great shows with Stanhope. I've been moving to New York for four years. <laughs> 
trapped on the New England island of comedy. First comic I ever saw was Tony V when I was 15. He opened for Carrot Top. I'm the only Jew comic left in Boston, and I don't count Rich Seisler because he's always doing cruises. <laughs> anyway, your podcast has given me great company. I'm in a drive to gigs to God knows where. The New England comedy scene is crazy, dark, and twisted, but I think I'm figuring out some things. I feel like I'm doing the work. I feel like I'm getting better. I was with Tony V tonight, as a matter of fact, at an American Legion Hall for 300 people in Western Mass. The Michael Keaton episode got me there. Thanks again, man. Dan Crone, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, buddy. How are you? Doing good, buddy. All right, let's do it. All right. All right, so let's just go right down the fucking list. What record store did your dad own? Uh, it was a record store underneath the uh, Kenmore Square, like the, uh, the huge Sitco sign. Yeah. It's now Campus Convenience, which is now, uh, you know, just a place for college kids. And, uh, what, was, what was it called? Uh, that's a it's, it was a, he managed it. It was uh, I have no idea to be quite honest. That's you were too young. It was just this weird place right, where uh, there were records, and your dad was there. There was records all over the apartment. <laughs> so that was it. Right under the sicko sign. Yep. Right by Storyville. Who remembers Storyville? Cross Street. Nobody. A few of you. That fucking place was scary. Right near uh, Narcissus. Yeah, yeah. Right in that building in Storyville. Holy shit. No, the building where Storyville used to be an SRO fucking hotel. This guy, Frankie Bastille, who I told some of you about the last show, this, in that fucking place, right across from your dad's record store, when he probably still owned it, I saw some guy shooting up for the first time. What, that's not funny to you? Listen to me. It's pretty fucking funny. Right. So, I wanted to get a half a gram of Coke, so I go to my Coke dealer's house, and somehow or another, I left with a fucking uh, Fender amp, because he, he dealt with most, mostly musicians, so it was sort of a museum of lost dreams, like... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you back. Just take the amp for now. And just give me the eight ball. I'll be back for it. So, so I end up going back to Frankie's SRO with the amp and a half a gram of Coke. And he goes, can I do something? I'm like, sure. He goes, I'm going to shoot mine. I'm like, fuck. Okay. I guess I'll watch. Now, there is a punchline to this. So I snort some lines, and he goes into the bathroom, and he ties himself off, and he's like, he pulls the, pop, you know, the, the syringe, and he shoots himself up in the arm, and literally he goes, <coughs> Fuck, man, there's baking soda in this. And I was so impressed that he could taste from the inside. Like, I was like, that's like junky genius. He can taste with his veins. That's sick. All right, yeah. Anyways, back to your Jewish upbringing. Yeah. Brookline. Brookline. Oh, that's where the Jews live. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Brookline. Yeah. Brookline. That's right. So, uh, so the, your dad owned this record store. So how'd you end up in Malibu seeing Johnny Carson at a movie uh, theater? Born in California, live uh, all my family lives out there. So visiting my grandmother, went yeah. to go see Jurassic Park. Right. Johnny Carson's in the back row. Yeah. My grandmother drags me by my ear to go meet him and says, this is my grandson. He wants to be a comedian. And uh -huh. the networking in me, I should have you know, done sure. a better job. But I, uh, I, I think I said, no, I don't. <laughs> And, and Johnny I, uh, said, you're right, you shouldn't, kid. Good instincts. <laughs> I think it was 12, and then we saw Jurassic Park, and at yeah. the end, he just came up to me and he said, did you enjoy the movie? <laughs> that's a showbiz story. If, I mean, at 12 years old, I, you know, who think you're going to see Johnny Carson and his girlfriend? That's a hell of a story. And, I mean, that was it. That was when I, uh, I should have said, hey, just so you know, can I get your e Well, email wasn't around there, yeah. but uh, <laughs> now how no, no I think you did the exact right thing. I think if a 12-year-old, how old are you, 12? Yeah, 12. If you would have said, hey, can I get your address yeah. or something? Because I think in the future I'm going to make a bad decision. Uh, he would be... 
But now, yeah, everybody goes, hey, you have a good showbiz story? Yeah, I met Johnny Carson. Come on. <laughs> when you were 12? Nothing to do with comedy, though. When did you decide to be a comic, dude? Oh, uh, four, mm-hmm. which is uh, my birthday's or anniversary is this Thursday, nine years. So You count the years of I doing do. comedy? I do. Well, I started four, four, oh, four. So that kind of made me... Right. Think about it all the time. If maybe it was a different day. But what, what are you actually gauging? Because, I mean, if I know comics, every year that goes by, you're like, am I still on schedule? How come I didn't fucking get that thing yet? Well, when is that going to happen? I know I don't have a gig that night. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's a sad story. Uh, but I, I actually called Dick. I'm going to be at the vault that night, the place I started. So yeah. what the hell? Dick Doherty, if you don't know, I'll do my impression of Dick Doherty when I first did a road gig with him. He's, I'm driving Dick somewhere, and he goes, you know what your problem is, Marin? You're insecure. All right. Uh, he actually fired me because I didn't drive him. Oh, really? Show. Yeah. See how that works? It's, <laughs> I didn't know, though, that that was a thing. You had to drive the headliner. But what did you do? Didn't you have a gig up until recently? Were you... uh, yeah, I was doing Tuesdays at the vault, but like the punk rock stand-up, I ended it a couple years ago, but just a fun show with bands. But and... didn't you have a day gig? Uh, yeah, I was, I was a teacher. I just uh... See that? You quit a noble profession helping our children. And uh, it's a good thing because I was uh, doing it half-assed because of this comedy thing, so... <laughs> I had to get out of there. What is that? What, how does that look? I felt they, guilty. I was a guidance counselor, and all I was thinking about was like my MapQuest directions to Bangor, Maine, you, when I should have been helping the kids. <laughs> you should have been thinking about why you're still using fucking MapQuest. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, maybe you should get, upgrade your computer right, a little bit. Right. To, to this, I was trying to scale to it back this, a couple this, of years. To this decade, maybe be good. So wait, but were you being like a bad guidance counselor? Uh, in my, you know, in, in, deep down in, in my heart, I felt they should probably get somebody who is not a comedian and is not staying up till three in the morning and is not pissing. But his what life I'm away asking night, you, so. if, did you ever have kids sitting in front of you and you went, I don't fucking know? <laughs> I would say like I provided do, do guidance. What, do what you want. What are you asking me for? I'm fucking tired. Exactly. I was exhausted. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, just tough stuff. I couldn't juggle both of them, so this is the first year where I, uh, I quit and yeah. tried to see if I can do this. And uh, Have you seen a guidance counselor? Yeah. <laughs> My old guidance counselor who told me I would never do anything, so <laughs> I appreciate him at the most. So you're out of the education racket. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was, uh, it was, you know, it was a tough decision, and, uh, you know, I'm struggling, but I feel good. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Just yeah, trying to so do comedy. What about the Jew thing? How's that working out? Uh, we're, we're happy Pesach. <laughs> Are you religious at all? Not at all. No? But I, I was bar mitzvah. Yeah? How'd that go? Uh, Temple Israel here in Boston. And then I had my party at Route 1 in Saugus at a uh, <laughs> place called uh, <laughs> Weiluz, which is a giant giant yeah. uh, temple uh-huh. that they built for a Chinese restaurant. Uh-huh. And I had my party there. Yeah, you're, It's still there, yeah. but it's been closed for like eight years. <laughs> So there's a giant temple there, yeah, and it's nothing. And there's no, you know, nobody was took it, it over. Was there a theme to your bar mitzvah? Uh, we just God, please tell just me there a lot was of, a lot of pulled, a lot of pork. Yeah, that was it. Not uh, yeah, we were you know a reform. You know, I'm not real a real Jew, so uh, reform. Yeah, so we, and, uh, uh, the yo-yo man. He performed at me. He was he, he performed at my show. The yo-yo man was, he was there. He was a smother. He was from the Smothers Brothers back in the day. Uh, oh, who I, told you that? Uh, my, my my folks. Yeah. And that meant nothing to you. This yo-yo guy used to work with the Smothers Brothers. The best is that uh, my parents told me what he made yeah. this week. Yeah. $150. Yeah? And I actually have my first bar mitzvah gig this Saturday coming up. It's, too bad, it's too bad you weren't doing comedy then. You might have opened for him in Maine. The uh, yo-yo man. What exactly did the yo-yo man do? Uh, tricks, and then he autographed yo-yos <laughs> and gave them out to the kids. So wait. Let me, let me see if I can give you a flashback. So you're the bar mitzvah boy, right? It's your big day. <laughs> 
You're, you've been seated. Like, it's like, everybody, everybody, pay attention. So you're sitting there in the middle of a dance floor in a chair, and this guy is just <laughs> Instead of lifting me up on the chair like they do. That, exactly, exactly. He was good, though. He killed it. It's hard to make it stick. It's hard to make it stick. Done and done. What a bar. That must have been a big day for you. Oh, it was. We drew it up. Wait, hold on. <laughs> what about walk the dog? Walk the dog. There you go. Fucking Duncan, man. Duncan. That was a shit, right? Remember? I want mom, I want a Duncan butterfly. I want Duncan butterfly. I've moved out of the Imperial. <laughs> Remember the Imperial was the one that had was sort of clear plastic, but the butterfly was the weird shaped one that always hurt your fucking hand. Up. Yeah. What a, what kind of stick, bullshit? Was that a good thing? Should we be nostalgic for the yo-yo? Was that a time was that a simpler time where kids were better kids? Where you just give them something that they couldn't watch porn on? <laughs> Here's a toy you can't jerk off to that we understand. <laughs> I should have put the yo-yo yeah, guy yeah, in my the, credits. Give the kid a yo-yo. Don't, you don't have to be worried that they're going to use it in some way that you can't stop them from doing it. See some kid choking himself out with a fucking yo-yo string. <laughs> walk in, he's got it tied around his dick, and he's trying to make it walk the dog. And, yes, I just went all that way for that joke. I did the hip thrust and everything. You saw it here, 49-year-old Mark Maron fucking a yo-yo. <laughs> and that's about as Jewish as I get. <laughs> I mean, yo-yo man. Did you ever Duh. fuck anything on stage for a joke? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I got Jewish uh, material, right? But I don't know. Like what? What do you got? I was a poor Jew growing up, which really just means I was doing pretty good. <laughs> I told myself I didn't want to do my act, but you fucking just trapped me in it, too. So. No, so, okay, it's all right. It worked. Don't no. be afraid of it. What's the next one? Uh, I said I would go to kids' uh, par- like I would go to their birthday parties, yeah. and their goodie bag gift yeah. was like better than the gift that I gave them. <laughs> I got a Transformer for going to the kids' party, and all I got the kid was a travel edition of Connect Four. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't equal. <laughs> Too bad. What'd you, so let's say when your dad got out of the record racket, yeah. what was the next phase of that uh, he dream? He sold copiers, <laughs> yeah. uh, payroll services. Oh, uh, it's like one of those weird real jobs. That's right. Uh, he did the payroll for the old Comedy Connection uh-huh. and <laughs> got me into the first comedy show I ever saw with Kara Top and Tony V. Yeah. And I sat in the third row. Yeah. I was like 15 years old. Yeah. And uh, just, I didn't know about an opening act. And yeah. Tony came out. Yeah. And said, how's everybody fucking doing? Yeah. And I looked at my dad and I said, this is it. Yeah. He I want to do this. He said, fuck. That's in right, front of people. That was exactly yeah. it. I didn't know. He's it, funny. Uh, what'd you, how'd you respond to Kara Top? Uh, okay, I was a huge fan. I was great. And one of the highlights of my career thus far was playing cards with Tony V and him telling me the story that he would hide, when he was on the road with him, he would hide Carrot Top's props <laughs> before the show. And one time, he made Carrot Top cry. <laughs> and for me to tell him that story at a card game was one of my highlights. You told Carrot Top that story? No. <laughs> just told So he made, he made Carrot Top cry? Yes. Oh. He just hid the whole big giant thing of the props. I saw his show in Vegas. 
Because uh, I, yeah, I went to interview him, and uh, he invited me to a show. And it was like there was so much money in that show. That's right. Like because they huge they production. Just, it's well, it's a huge production, but it's unnecessary. <laughs> like you know, he does his prop thing, and then at some point, like two thirds through the show, it literally starts snowing in the theater <laughs> for no fucking reason <laughs> at all. And I asked him, "What was that about?" He's like, "Well, you know, we had the money." <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty respectable. For snow? Well, just like with, with uh. no explanation whatsoever. So when are you going to move to New York? When's that happening? You, so you yeah, been... I think you got to laugh on my. I've been moving there for four years. It's not going to happen. This is. Uh, I'm trapped. I can't leave. It's what, great. Do you, what do you fucking mean, man? Right. No. You know what? I, it, that's not true. I'm just very uh, comfortable and complacent and. Uh, I, I love it. I got a good apartment. I don't know if that means anything, but I don't want to live with like 12 people in a railroad apartment in New York. I, are, you, are you chasing the dream or are you just, what are you? You're, what are you? you're making it happen, buddy. Here we go. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> the might... last podcast I did was like 30 listeners, so this is a step up. So, but, but you, what if you got to leave Boston? Uh, when am I going to leave Boston? What right. Well, you... I think quitting the teaching job was the first step because yeah. that job was, again, are I was you, there. Are you married? Do you have oh, a no, girlfriend? No, single. I should have moved four years ago. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I got a lot of friends there, mm -hmm. uh, and then the whole thing of like starting over. They're like, "Oh, you're not really starting over. You are. I feel like you are starting over." I, you know what? I don't. Excuse me a minute. Yeah, let's talk. There's a lot of fear here. <laughs> let's get into it. Are yeah, there, I, other I, guests, I, we don't need. Right, okay. I, I think you got to go to New York and take the fucking hit. Just take the hit. Right. Just do it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Wait, here oh yeah. Let's do it. Because like, what's the worst that could happen? You fail. You think you're not funny. I think that's the worst. Yeah. You, you, no one likes you. You can't get work. You're in, a, you're in an apartment in New York. You're lonely. How about if I'm just there Monday through Thursday and I have to keep coming back to New England for the work? I did that for a fucking year, bro. Okay. All do right. it. All right. All right. Because what will happen is you'll be in New York. You'll, now. Shit. You'll, you'll be coming up here to do, like, you know, to do the Leaning Tower of Comedy oh, or yeah. whatever. And then giggles, baby. Giggles, sure. Why not? Right. Any you come out and do those Definitely. gigs. You go back to New York and you'll be like, "Fuck, I can't get on anywhere. This is bullshit. What the fuck am I doing here?" And then you start coming back here, and you won't have like enough work up here. And then you <laughs> get so miserable and depressed, and you realize you fucked up your whole life. Sick. And you'll write your first good hour. <laughs> if it goes like that, then I'm gonna move. Dan Crone, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Dan. Ladies and gentlemen, this next performer. To me, is like, you know, she should be a national uh, treasure here in, in Boston. And I think she is. You might have seen her in The Fighter. Please welcome Sue Costello to stage. <laughs> ah! Hey, over here. Talk on the microphone so they can all appreciate that stuff that comes out of your mouth. What's up, motherfucker? <laughs> she really Boston. talks like that. <laughs> I tell you, man, it was such a stretch, that performance in The Fighter, for you to turn on that accent and everything. I played a crack addict. <laughs> I, wasn't, I was auditioning for one of the sisters. <laughs> yeah, and you, and you got the crack addict? Yes, he's like, tell me about your drug problem. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about, my drug problem? Yeah. And then he's like, everybody's talking about you. So I was like, I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, who the fuck's talking about me? He's like, everybody. I'm like, really? And then my neck started pulsating yeah. out of nowhere. I don't even know what happened. And then his phone rang. Yeah. And he answered it. Yeah. And I went mental. And I go, fuck you. I go, you're going to ask me about my drug problem, and then you're going to answer your fucking phone. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he goes, it's my son. I go, I don't give a fuck who it is on the phone. <laughs> and they dragged me out of there. Really? Literally, yeah. Like Physically? Me out. Yeah, they had the other girls. Get her out of here. Get her out of here. <laughs> 
And I was in the bathroom and I was like, <laughs> I didn't even know what happened. And I was like, and then we got outside and you could tell I didn't get the system. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> and all of a sudden the door came flying open. She's like, Where's Sue Costello? Where's Sue Costello? I'm like, I'm right here. They're like, You're gonna, you're gonna be in the movie. You're gonna play a crack addict. I'm like, I am. They're like, Yes, that's what he was auditioning you for. <laughs> So I did a good crack addict. They said that's what a crack addict would do the second they had an in. Like as soon as he answered the phone, they would try to divert it. So you just instinctively knew what a drug addict would do. All my Meisner technique from UMass Boston. What about all your. (laughs) Did you go there? I went to UMass Boston. The one out in Dorchester? Yeah. I didn't know anyone went there. That's how I started. (laughs) It's a commuter school. That's how I, I started doing stand-up. I, I always used to drive there. by and go, who the fuck goes there? <laughs> this really, it seems like a nice building. Does anyone go there? I think I, I, I went swimming there once, of no, all things. There was a pool? pool. Yeah, there was a pool there. I didn't know Someone I knew had a, like, was a part of, I had a card that you could swim. It was the weirdest fucking thing I ever did in my life. Oh. Yeah, where'd you grow up, though? I grew up in Savin Hill, Dorchester, Massachusetts. <laughs> 02125. Yeah. All right, right so, across from you, Matt. So was it fucking scary or what? What? Growing up there. Yeah, it was pretty scary. Yeah? People get mad at me. They're like, don't say that. I'm like, why? I'm lucky. People, like, if I, I moved away and people are like, were you prom queen? I'm like, prom queen? I'm lucky I still have my teeth. <laughs> but, like, I was always scared of it. Like, I, I, like, it was I, scary. We I just thought fight. that I, I would drive over some, I'd drive past some fucking street and automatically I'd be wearing a yarmulke. And, and, and I just, they'd just be like, there's a Jew in our neighborhood. Yeah, I never <laughs> met any Jewish people until you never I moved met any to Jewish people? Until I moved to Brooklyn. So it was all Irish people? All Irish people. And we fought. That's, that's how I first got. That second story, that story I just told you was the second callback for the fight. The first callback, I went in and they were like, they were auditioning. They asked us like, how tall are you? I'm like five foot three. They're like, how much do you weigh? I'm like 105 pounds. They're like, have you ever been in a fist fight? And it was like my two worlds collided, Hollywood and Dorchester. And I was like, have I ever been in a fist fight? I was like, click, 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 click. Which one should I tell them? 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 And so I was like, all right. I was walking through Faneuil Hall. Yeah. I was like with my sister, who was at BU Law at the time. She had one moot court class under her belt. That's it. And I was shit-faced. And I had a lazy, my lazy eye would always come out when I was drunk, too. I was like... <laughs> Always looking for a fight, right? When I'm walking and this girl comes walking, she was like seven feet tall. She had like a leather jumpsuit on with zippers all over it. <laughs> and she's walking towards us like... <laughs> My sister turns around, she goes, don't you say a fucking word. <laughs> so she walks by me and I go, under my breath. <laughs> And she turns around and sucker punches me and knocks me out cold. In the middle of a restaurant, I am knocked out cold, and the girl's going to fucking kill me. She's like, ah, ah, ah. My sister's trying to calm her down with her moot court skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she finally calms her down, and I I wake up, and I call her a cunt, and she knocks me back out again. (laughs) (laughs) So you were, a, you were a good fighter. That's how I got the movie. David O. Russell, I swear to God. I called the casting director. I'm like, am I going to get the movie? She's like, Sue, we don't know, but David O. Russell is telling everybody you can't story. <laughs> <laughs> how, was he a good guy? He's a little awesome. nutty. He's yeah, what? He's a little nutty. Yeah. yeah. And, and Christian. What? Christian, well, Christian was on YouTube. Oh, I thought you said he was Christian. I'm like, no, what no, happened? No, no, no. They all had reputations for like being yelling. Yeah. 
And well, I was oh, like, so you're, you're there with Christian Bale, who did a fucking insanely amazing job in that so movie. So good. They, like, I'm saying that, like, he's right here, so I think we should all... No, he's so good. No, but, like, he... And the la- What? Someone say something? What? what? Okay, okay, thank, thank you. you sir. <laughs> so, what is it, kind heckling night? <laughs> so, it's so rare you hear that, like, just a heckle, like, you're doing a good job up there. <laughs> I know, we're so ready. What? Like What'd you say? Interrupting oh, a story. Hey, Mark! Nice shoes. We enjoy what you're doing. It's a little disarming, because when someone talks, you're like, what the fuck is there? I agree. Oh, okay, good, good night. Good, good stuff. Huh? What? He concurs. All right. Oh, that's he concurs. That okay. See now you now took a little too far. <laughs> so go fuck yourself. <laughs> I met a guy in Boston in, in LA and I knew I used to know him years ago, but I don't want to mention any names. I hadn't seen him in twenty years. And I said to him, I said, What have you been doing? He's like, I'm fucking done with with co- fuck comedy. I'm like, what's the matter? He's like, people were stealing my shit. And I'm like, what do you what who? Like, what are you talking about? He goes, you know that line when you hear a siren on the street? <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, my ride's here. That's mine. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, yeah, you got a real problem. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. He probably you know, did write it. it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but is that what you're gonna say to people? I mean, like you know, someone stole my rides yeah. here from. All right. <laughs> Only doing but that's a Boston thing to do to get a resentment that eats away at your guts for the rest of your life and fucking <laughs> ruin your whole career over some stupid joke. Fuck you. <laughs> Put it on your tombstone. Yeah, yeah. My rides my here. <laughs> I'll show them. Yeah. And just put your name right under it. <laughs> Did you ever fight any fights that you won, Costello? No. <laughs> nope, never. But wait, when I met you, when you were starting out, didn't you have some other fucked up job? Weren't you like a... I've had, so I worked with high-functioning, mentally challenged people for a while. I was very good at that. I worked at McDonald's. See, like, you see how everyone quiets down like Why? that? Because, <laughs> it, like, because, no, but, you know, it's a very noble job. But, like, in my mind, I'm like, there's part of me that wants to go, like, that must have been hilarious. Hilarious. Well, I was telling my friend today, seriously, one of them, I was Irish Catholic. I was 16. We didn't talk about sex. And I got to the house one day, and the lady's like, listen, I got to go. You can either vacuum or give Mark a shower. And I was like, um, I'll give Mark a shower. I don't even know why I said it. I had never seen a naked man before. How old is Mark? Mark's like 35, and he's like, <laughs> has like a mongoloid. He's had a mongoloid, whatever Down they call syndrome. it. Down, Down syndrome. Down syndrome. Down syndrome. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I so meant. It was an innocent mistake. You know what I mean? We're older. <laughs> That's what I meant. Things change. We don't keep up. It's, uh, you know. That's what I meant. I know, I know, so- I know. <laughs> And so I went in to give him the shower, and I pulled back the shower curtain, and he had a purple penis. Purple? No, it was purple, and I got freaked out, so I shut the shower curtain, and I ran out of the room, and I was like, just wash your hair and get out of the shower when you're done. <laughs> yeah. And when he came out, he looked, he had his underwear, like a t-shirt and his underwear, and he was like rocking back and forth around the TV, and I had that feeling of like, something's terribly awry. I'm not sure what it is, but something's wrong. Yeah. And the boss came home, and she's like, Sue, get the fuck in here. I go, what? She goes, look at him. I go, I know, he looks really retarded today. What is that? <laughs> yeah. 
She said he has no fucking eyebrows. He shaved his eyebrows <laughs> off. Were you watching him? And I was like, I got nervous because I saw the purple penis. And she's like, oh, that's because he jerks off so much. <laughs> that's my noble story working with the high-functioning <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Can, excuse me. Can you just say retarded again? No one says it you're better. Not to, let's just preface it by saying you're not supposed to use but, that word. But with this accent, it's so fucking special. Just one more time. Retarded. <laughs> oh. See, I even had like a little it's, frog it's in my always like you, it's, so, it's one of those words, I, it's a shame to see it go away. I'm going to get in trouble. Mongoloid I can live without. <laughs> Retarded. I did not mean to say that. Oh, I know you didn't. I know. What are you going to do? Fire me? Uh, no. no. So what do you got going on? And then uh, let's move. My move. one woman show. Yeah. I wasn't the, trying the, to be funny. The epic one woman yes, show. Yes, I've been working on it for 15 years. Have you... Thank you. It's really good now. What's it called? I wasn't trying to be funny. <laughs> and so you've got it aced now? I got it down. Yeah. What was it? Oh, what, do we need to talk about that already thing? No, yeah, like, we got to talk about that already thing. Yes, we have to tell them. I owe my whole career to Mark Marin, everybody, and I just found out. Seriously. Seriously, I just found out Artie Lang put the whole thing together, which I've come to realize that guys don't remember anything. I'm like, remember that time? They're like, no. No, right? I had, a, I had something happen to me in New Mexico where I just really don't, like, I think there was a woman that I knew for years I always had a crush on, and then, like, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, we hooked up a couple of times here and there. I have no idea whether we had sex or not, and I saw her, and I was like, what did we, uh, what happened in the, oh. you know? And she goes, really? It was that bad? <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, no, we didn't. She's like, no, no, we didn't. And I'm like, I don't know whether we you did. You might have. And she was like, oh. But now, you know, she's married. She's got two kids. And what am I supposed to eat more and go, I'm sorry, did we fuck? Because I don't, <laughs> it's not clear to me. But guys, I don't take it personally because they don't remember anything. But Adi seems to remember everything about us. So I have this story. I went to New York. I went on a Caroline's. I was an aerobics instructor. Oh, I yeah. worked at McDonald's too. That might have been what you were talking about. But no, I got it was the aerobics instructor. I got aerobics my head instructor. caught in the drive through window. That's why I got fired at McDonald's. <laughs> You got your head caught in the drive-thru window. In the drive-thru window. How the fuck does that happen? Because they had a foot pump, and the foot pump, you were supposed to put your foot on the foot pump, and the window would slide open, and you put your body out and give the people the food, and then you take your body back in, you take your foot off the foot pump, and the window would close, and I could never figure out the fucking foot pump. <laughs> so I literally would get my body caught, and the manager was like, Costello, if you do it one more time, you're fired. <laughs> that was that. And I'm like, they have mongoloids working here, and I can't know. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I used to teach aerobics when I was, so like, like Dan was saying, when you moved to New York, I was a middler in Boston, I moved to New York, so yeah. I had to start from the beginning. Yeah. Teaching aerobics to old ladies, 85-year-old ladies, and I had to do a bring a show at Caroline's, which means you have to bring like 15 people. I didn't know anybody in, in New York, so I brought the old ladies, literally. Blue-haired ladies in the front row, and Luna Lounge was like the hipster kind of like place where all like the industry people hung. It got canceled that night, and all the industry people came to Caroline, saw my 10-minute set. I ended up in Hollywood, two TV deals, my own sitcom. I would always tell the story that Luna Lounge got canceled, and then I did Artie Lang's show on Monday night. He goes, yeah, it got canceled because Mark Maron missed his flight. Mm -hmm. I, I did it for you. You don't remember. <laughs> and you don't remember fucking me afterwards either. Yeah. I, I do remember that <laughs> because you went unconscious and you woke up and called me a cunt. <laughs> Sue Costello, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move down. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This next guest, this is this thing I'm doing. I think can honestly be called one of the, uh, the godfathers of alternative comedy in, uh, in the Boston area. He started the comedy studio over at the Hong Kong in, uh, in Cambridge. And uh, also, you know, he was working as a comic for years. I knew him. I knew his old girlfriend who was frightening. But now he's married and happy. Rick Jenkins, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. I remember you from way back. Oh, yeah. You, were, you didn't like me. Um, you know what it was? You were just annoying. Mm. You would sit there and say, how come I'm not on Letterman? How come I'm not on Letterman? <laughs> and we would all say, you've been on Conan 30 times. Uh, you've got short attention span theater. Oh, no, I don't know. My career's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, really? I'm doing an open mic in the attic of a Chinese food restaurant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that thing it. is huge. But you were like, dude, yeah. you st we started almost at the same time because oh, you were yeah. around that long. And then you were going out with uh, Cindy Friedman, right? Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Oh, that, I didn't realize everyone hated me because the girl everyone was trying to get, I just moved to town. Yeah. And she liked me. That was the reason. The, oh, the, well, that was one of them. <laughs> First day I'm in Boston, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting her. First time I ever met DJ Hazard. Yeah, she who says, will be out soon. She says, hey, you know, th this is Rick. Yeah. DJ looks at me and goes, no, you're Ricky. Yeah. <laughs> Which was my birth name. Right. Because my, my, my parents didn't want to name me Richard for fear people would call me Dick. Right. Well, so they named you Ricky, which is so exactly, much better as exactly, a grown man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So DJ said, oh, I'll give you guys a ride back. Puts uh, Cindy in the, the front seat uh, with him and then mm. puts me in the, the back and goes down Sturrow Drive as fast as he possibly can. And that Subaru brat? Side to side, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. so it's just so, a three. So uh, yeah. Three days into Boston, they were, they were trying to kill me. <laughs> but, like, when, when did you start the comedy studio? Uh, well, we, all you guys had moved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's you a... Hang out, catch a rising star. See what's going to happen to you? All right. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're trying to get all my young comics to move? Thanks yeah, a lot. Yeah, I want you all alone up here, just a sour old man. <laughs> uh, at, you know, sitting at a, in, in a dead empire in the attic of a Chinese restaurant. Way, way too late. <laughs> but you, you started a lot of guys. Right. Well, what happened was, because no one, you, Louis, nobody was going to headline in Boston. You've got these big outsized personalities. You're going to... What are you talking about? I headlined in every shitty place in New England. Yeah, but not in town. Well, that was the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you get all these people like you, Louis, uh, Cross, Garofalo. You get to that level. Cook, uh, Dane Cook talks about this. You get to that point, and it's like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to headline Nick's. I'm not going to he headline Giggles. So you guys move. There's a, a path. And then Nick's, across the street five years later, yeah. they say, hey, let's just have these jerks in the back of the room do right. the show. And that turns out to be DePaulo and Patrice and right. Burr and all those yeah. guys. And then they moved on. Patrice, yeah. yeah. And then they moved on, and I started this little open mic, and we get Eugene Merman and Brendan Small and Jen Kirkman. And there, see, he did that. He did that. You should yeah. thank him. It was not easy, and I, I don't mean to condescend to the, the bad gigs all over New England, but oh. I remember, like, doing Nick's in that time, like, one of the first yeah. guest spots I ever did at Nick's, like, I was trying to break in over there, yeah, yeah. and they would use me, they would put me on guest spots, oh, yeah. and it was like, they, like, I was going to go on a 10-minute guest spot, and they're like, you're going after Leary, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck, so, so, like, Leary, like he, was, like, he was one of those guys that, even if he didn't do well, there was such a mania to it, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like for fucking 20 minutes, yeah. he does that. The crowd doesn't even know. They've just been brain raped, right. you know? 
So they're like in some sort of weird coma because they've just experienced more human energy than they could ever imagine. And I get up there and I'm like, hey. <laughs> and I made the mistake of like, oh, I'm just going to step right into Leary's energy oh, yeah. and fucking ride it out. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, da, 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 yeah, da, da, da. but it wasn't my energy. So within 30 seconds, I'm like, <laughs> and I just fucking melted away and just ate such a pile of shit. It was unbelievable. And Dominic used to run it and he was very like encouraging and gentle and loving. That place. What the fuck do you want? I'm afraid to talk about it now. I don't know. They could, they could kill you. Put yeah, you who the hell knows what was going on over there? It's like Dominic was a great guy. That's all I know. That's all I'm saying publicly. Good guy. All the people there were legit. Some of them, they came and went. You didn't know where they went. But they used to pay you in Coke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get shot. No, you're not. There used to be a parking lot guy. They always had this parking lot guy. Let's go to the guy in the parking lot. What's happening in the parking lot? And then, like, everybody was very talkative for a few hours. <laughs> oh, There was a show... Hey, can you, uh, you know, can you do, go do the show? Uh, no, I don't have a car. You know what? Just stand in front of Nick's. Car will pull up. Yeah. Car, car pulls up. Says, All right, take it to the show. Come back. Don't look in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> don't, okay. Don't look in the trunk. Do you remember there was a guy named Trigger? Trigger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy was something. He could make a pipe out of anything. Yeah. It was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> But we all started to. Everybody did. Oh, Nick yeah. DiPaolo. Remember Colin, Colin used to come up here and talk about religion? And yeah. Nick's one yeah. night, me and Kathy Byron had just started out. Colin was on stage talking oh, about religion, and they were so mad. Because it's Irish. Like, it's a bunch of Catholic people in Boston. He was, like, talking about the Bible. And they were like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, Colin. Fuck you. And he's like, fuck you. And he kept talking, and then they started getting up and walking out in droves. He's like, put a fucking yield sign on. I can see you better. And I was like, I love him. It's <laughs> 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 went so crazy over there. Uh, uh, huh? They feel like you're part of this? <laughs> I, I just literally had a moment where I realized the audience was like, oh, I guess they're talking. <laughs> well, then after that, you yeah. had Catch Rising Star open a franchise up here. No, that's where I, when I came back from uh, yeah. Hollywood and I was like, the first time, the first time I got clean, yeah. that yeah, I got spat out of Hollywood by Kennison yeah. and his fucking cocaine. Yeah. I was running away from demons only I could see. Mm -hmm. And I ended up fucking pulling an espresso at the coffee yeah. connection. Yeah, and you had Robin Horton running that room. Mm -hmm. Fucking lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> he, would, he would ban people. I remember uh, Louis used to give uh, comics $10 if he could do their spot so that he could get more stage time. And Robin would, like, ban. You're banned for six and a half weeks. This guy was a fucking asshole. <laughs> This guy was one of the monumental assholes in comedy. This is like, I know there's a little inside baseball here, but what this guy would do is he'd have this office at the back of the club, yeah. right? And then, like, you know, we'd all show up. He'd have, it was like open, not, not, not open mic, but a showcase night where he'd make a list. So we'd all be standing there, me, you, Louie, Cross, everybody, just looking at that door, all right? And then he'd open the door and he'd put this fucking list up. And then we'd all kind of like, okay, let's go see. And like, we'd all go look at the list and you'd see your names and you'd see the order and you'd be like, all right, I'm fourth. That's cool. That's cool. That's a good spot. And then we'd all go sit down and we're like, we're ready for the show. The show starts. And then all of a sudden you see that fucking door open again. And then that asshole would come back out and he'd start sit fucking around. with the list. <laughs> right? So then we'd all be sitting there and be like, is he back inside? Fuck, what did he do? And then you go like, you go back to the list. I'm like, how am I seventh now? What the fuck is that? Right? And then you'd be like, all right, seventh is cool. 
And then you'd go sit down. Two acts would go on. Then you'd see the door open. And go, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and then you'd go walk over to the list. And there were some times where you'd be on fourth. And by the fucking time he got done fucking with that list, you were on 19th. And there was nobody in the room. What a fucking torturing cunt that guy was. I'm sorry about the word. I'm sorry. It was unnecessary. First That's time, my word. I'm first sorry. Time, first time I auditioned for him, he said, oh, I get the feeling you want to be a dirty comedian. You? Yeah, I said, well, you, you saw my act. I didn't do anything. He said, yeah, I just, I get the feeling you might be dirty. I said, well, I didn't do it. If it's a feeling, there's nothing I can do about it. He said, no, all you can do is come here, hang out, and just watch until I change my mind. <laughs> he was horrible, but he used to show up at my gigs, like, recently. He oh, would yeah. show up in Seattle. Like just Robin Horton, like would just be like, "Oh my God, why are you here?" He's like, "I, I see what you're doing," <laughs> and I'm like, "This, I haven't seen you in 15 years." And then I'd see him go to the back of the room and put a list on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he was fucking hard. And anytime you say anything political, he'd come up to you after the show and go, "That's a page out of Barry Crimmins' notebook." And I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> the one political comic in Boston. If you see, apparently he had ownership of anything political. <laughs> So, all right, so give us another horrible story. <laughs> oh, name someone. Uh, well, tell the one you want to tell. You got any, what's a, what's a, uh, what is a life-changing story for you? Wow, life-changing. Well, I, I think probably, uh, well, DJ Hazard was basically, he took me under his wing when I moved here. Yeah. So he's crazy, uh, insane, and he takes Louis C.K. under his wing. He takes Frank Centrelli under his wing. Uh, and so I'm very lucky. I'm like, yeah. hey, you know what? I always thought, hey, I'll move to Boston. I'll be like Batman. This yeah. town ain't ever seen me. Right. Then I go, I see DJ, I go, Robin. Robin's not a bad job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't going to be Batman. Look at these yeah, people. Yeah. They're incredible. We go up, we do a show up in uh, Vermont. Yeah. And uh, we stop at a little restaurant on yeah. the way back. And uh, we walk in and the place is filled. Everyone stops talking and just stares at us. Yeah. I'm like, well, they know we're show business celebrities. Yeah. We sit down, we start eating, two people leave, two more, two more. 20 people leave, yeah. 30 people leave. Now the place is empty. Yeah. What we don't know is that two of America's most wanted criminals have been in this town. The police are looking for them, and they look exactly like me and DJ. <laughs> yeah. So the waitress has been evacu- walking up to people saying, when you finish your pancakes, get the fuck out. They're killers. <laughs> so we leave the restaurant, and... Uh, the best part, the police didn't want to confront us in the restaurant because right. they had left their weapons in the car and didn't want to face me yeah. without weapons. Yeah. We drive down uh, Woodstock, Vermont. Police are following us. We don't know what lights come on. They pull us over to the side of the road. DJ looks at me and says, I wasn't speeding. I don't know what the deal is. You see six police cars across the road stopping all of us. Guns are drawn, the whole thing. They, they say, all right, using your right hand, open the car door. So I start to, he goes, no, no, your right hand, the other one. Mm-hmm. DJ yells, don't shoot him, he's just an idiot. <laughs> they pull us out of the car, we, they take us to the Woodstock, Vermont Police Headquarters, which is also the craft barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're being interrogated by the FBI, and there's macrame shit, like, all <laughs> over the place. We go for six hours, this is before they had to drive our fingerprints to a fax machine. Yeah to find out that we weren't the killers. And I, I said, do you think two of America's most wanted criminals and we travel the country hiding out as stand-up comics? <laughs> <laughs> and an actual FBI agent said to me, 
I've been on cases where stranger things have happened. <laughs> what, are you on the X-Files? How the hell does that happen? But you also have to describe what DJ looked well, like. Well, we'll have him well out here oh, in yeah, a minute. Yeah, but he DJ, doesn't look yeah, the same. Yeah. He, looks, so we, he looks scarier now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we leave the, we, we leave the, the craft barn, and uh, I say to DJ, wow, you know, that was something. No one's going to believe that happened. DJ says, yeah, no one is going to believe it. I'm like, great. He said, but we can't sue or anything. DJ says, no, think about that. Nobody is going to believe that that happened. But yeah, no, it's, it's a strange story. Go, no, listen to what I'm saying. It's not like anyone is going to go back to the restaurant and tell them that we were not the killers. <laughs> <laughs> so we went back to the restaurant. <laughs> DJ just kicks in the door and the waiter, oh my God, they killed the FBI! <laughs> awesome. All right, Rick Jenkins, ladies and gentlemen. This next performer used to host an open mic that was very important to certainly me and I I believe Rick and my generation uh, at Stitches. Uh, He went to L.A. for a while. He's been in movies. He he appeared in, uh, he just got cast in in, in Plain View. He was also in uh, Monument Avenue with Dennis Leary. Please welcome George McDonald to the stage. George, how are you, buddy? Here we go. Right here. It's all you. You, uh, you look the same for like 25 years. Look at this fucking guy. If you go to YouTube, you can find a picture of George with like dark hair and a big mustache. That's right, with the big porno. Yeah, the big porno Harry mustache. Deal. Yeah. yeah, classic. Yeah. So I haven't seen you in about 15 years, but I do want to thank you for putting me on stage at Stitches at Comedy Hell. That, I was not the guy with that list, by the way. That's a different that's open a mic different, night. That was not me. guy. But I remember that there was a point where, because this is funny, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where, like, the, that open mic, the, the, it was yours. How long did you do it? Like, you I were, did it four years, actually. Four years. Comedy Hell. We called it Comedy Hell because it was Sunday night. 30 comedians would show up. No people that were not comedians were in the audience. No civilians. Yeah. Everybody was a comedian. Yeah. If we put 15 of them on, the show ran three hours. <laughs> And what I remember is by yeah. hour two, you'd had a fucking nut. Oh, I was completely... Yeah. I, I, really. It was Sunday night. I was tired. I had probably done ten like, shows at that point. I just remember there was this attitude where you were like, all right, this fucking next guy... <laughs> well, I, would, I wouldn't even do introduction. Go, guy number 12. <laughs> Funny guy. Let's hear it. And then whoever it was. Guy 13. <laughs> no, no intros. Do you remember back then that people... Am I wrong in thinking that people used to snap on stage more? I, well, I think it happened a lot, yeah. yeah. You, well, you know what would happen sometimes, too? We would get people come into the open mic night that really needed professional care. Yeah, they didn't need yeah. to be in show business yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. They were just yeah. bananas. And yeah, they, yeah. Those guys were, you know, that was kind of like refreshing. The comics would all go, oh, he's legitimately crazy. He's really <laughs> <laughs> but nice. do you remember, who was like, don't you remember people like Jay Charbonneau would like literally snap constantly? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, well, we were drinking a lot back then, too, you know? I know I would snap once in a while. And do, do, you, do you have any good snap stories? Because I always enjoy those. Do you well, have I remember, a, I have a good drunk story, actually. Yeah. The Hot Tin Roof. That was, oh, that Nantucket? Was, yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, no, uh, uh, the Vineyard. Martha Vineyard. Vineyard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big, big club, about 500 seats. And, yeah. Uh, it's why I don't drink anymore. Oh, actually. really? Oh, yeah. This yeah. is the story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. good. This I, is had been, uh, I had been up for about three days, yeah. you know, just working Doing on the, an experiment yeah, with some friends. Yeah, <laughs> that we did back in the 80s. Yeah. And, um, it's a long experiment. A yeah. lot of us oh, yeah. were involved. Yeah. And they served alcohol on the boat at yeah. that time on the ferry, which was real helpful by the time I got to the gig. <laughs> you know? 
And I hadn't been. And actually, I got called up. Chance had called me up. He said somebody canceled, and I was living on the South Shore, so so it was easy for the other people to pick me up and take me to the gig. Except for the condition that I was in, and I said I can't, I can't drive. And he said, "We'll have someone pick you up." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in other words, we'll enable you. Get yeah, in the yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. So I go to the gig and uh, pounding down drinks on the boat. Get to the hotel. Uh, pounding down drinks at the hotel. Get to the show. Why stop there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I get up on the stage, and it was always a tough room. The microphone was always tinny, and it was tough to work the room. Yeah, it was and, horrible. Uh, it was, oh, it was a tough gig. It was a tough gig, and. Uh, so five minutes into it, of course, no one's even paying attention. And yeah. I put the microphone back in the stand, and I said, it's about 500 people. It's an old airplane hangar. And yeah. I said, do you know what I really fucking hate about this club? <laughs> That's how I started. Yeah. Yeah. I hate the fucking owner. And I went down the list of all this <laughs> yeah. shit that I thought. I didn't realize, you know, so I go, went, oh, I just went off. I yeah. just went off. Yeah. And the whole room, who had been talking and not paying attention, Shut up completely. <laughs> and they go, that guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walked off the stage and the audience just parted like the Red Sea. <laughs> Went to the bar, kept drinking, woke up the next day, didn't remember it all until they told me. <laughs> they go, do you remember what you did? Yeah. And I'm thinking, I really did that? Yeah. I, I thought I just thought about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's embarrassing, right? But the next day, yeah. all the other comics, they go, let's go out to breakfast. So mm. you go out to breakfast, and there's nothing else to do on the island that night. So yeah. everybody on the island goes to the comedy show. Right. So people are coming over to the table and going, hey, Moto, you were good. Tony, you were good. You were drunk, man. <laughs> Mike Moto. Oh, it was bad. Moto was there. Yeah, uh, Moto, was like, Moto was in the wings as I'm sh- I'm just <laughs> crashing and burning, and Moto's in the wings going. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is always the fucking yeah. worst thing to see as a comic. <laughs> Come on, we've had enough. Yeah, Mike Moto. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Didn't yeah. he used to open his show where he'd like uh, he'd take the mic and he'd push the mic stand down. And he'd go, uh, "I'd like to do a rather unusual ventriloquist act." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think he did. Like, was that like his opening yeah, yeah, yeah. line? Do you remember yeah. that? That's fucking weird oh that God. I remember that. That yeah. is weird. <laughs> I got stuck in the band house on Nantucket at the oh. Muse with Mike Moto. Oh, my God. I remember I was doing that gig one time. I was with Laz. And the, the, we're doing the stage. And the stage was right near the entrance yeah. the, the, from the parking lot. Yeah. And somebody, it, the show's already going on. And someone's banging on the door. And it's like, who the fuck is banging on that door, man? Straighten that guy. The door's open. It was the owner. He was more drunk than anybody <laughs> in the place. He, <laughs> But that band house was horrible out. because yeah. you couldn't get off the island, so you had to stay in this shack that had bunk yeah. beds. It was it was I just did that gig. You just did yeah. that gig? Yeah. <laughs> With two guys out of yeah. the, the audience. It was the worst condo yeah. I've ever stayed in. Yeah. A condo? It, it was it's so good. That, that building with the bunk beds, and we hated yeah. it so much that we took the 6.30 ferry out of there. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. You, you didn't wait there. You didn't sweep in the bunk bed. No, we, we probably we, haven't changed the sheets. We stayed there on the couches because it was so disgusting. There was a giant shit in the toilet as soon as we got Oh my God! Oh. I can't believe oh. that. That just happened this summer. It was pouring oh, yeah. rain in one of the Bad worst news. New England it's gigs ever. It's still fucking there. The bunk beds are still there. You, They're you still don't... doing comedy. I'm That's right. Amazing. Yes, they are. Wow, because that was like had to be like the nineties. Maybe it was fucking horrendous. So yeah. I just remember oh, like horrible. first of all, we were on coke, and now you're yeah. in a bunk bed yeah. with another dude on <laughs> yeah. coke. Yeah. Not and what you're you sitting be. there like going, oh fuck, <laughs> man. And he's up there going, ah, no shit, man. Let's talk for a little while. I'm bunk beds. It was like some sort of evil childhood oh, yeah. memory. Still there. Oh, it's terrible. 
God damn it. Yeah, but I just remember, like, there was, like, and I told you backstage, I remember opening for you somewhere at some shitty situation. Oh, right. And you, there were like, many. Right. Yeah. You, you had, like, we, we had to do, like, 45 at the end, but at some point, you, like, occasionally you would juggle those balls, right? right. That's right. Yeah. But, Dependent yeah. upon the room, yeah. Right. right. If, you could, if you could actually do it. Yeah. 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 But, like, you didn't like juggling. Not really. <laughs> yeah. So I just remember I brought George up. He did a half hour for nobody, and they were a shitty audience. And he took these fucking five balls out of a bag. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever seen one hatefully juggling. Yeah, it's good. It's a skill. Yeah. Let me tell I you. Mean, he was really like, "All yeah, right, really work. We're yeah. fucking doing this now. Yeah. I'm yeah. almost done. Yeah. As soon as the, the Checking one ball, my watch yeah. in between. Like, yeah. 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 is that fucking That's the time? A, you know, <laughs> That's instead, of, instead of the apple, you're like. <laughs> well, that's hilarious bitter yeah. juggling oh yeah absolutely it was George used to flip the guns George tell him he used to live with us yeah me we were roommates Greg Fitzsimmons and George yeah. used to live together in yeah. New York well I never did that bit on stage but I was, I was he used to be in twirl, his room flipping his guns and putting guns. them back in flip, yeah. I'd hear the noise I'd be like George what are you doing yeah. first I'd blow dry his hair yeah and then I'd put I still his, do. his yeah. things on what are they called when you put the guns holster. in there yeah he put Holsters. his holster on and then I'd hear click 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 Click, click, and I'm like, what are you doing, George? And he would flip the guns and put them in the thing really quick. Real guns? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. That oh, was no, replicas. They were fake. Yeah. No, so, real guns. This was just a I hobby. I can get you some. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I am from South Boston, so I can get you. No problem. Yeah. That's a, you, you have a gun flipping hobby? <laughs> no. No, I was actually going to try to work it into a bit, but it just never happened. You know, I was just trying to do the, the gun twirling thing. I, I, or something, were you, you know? trying to work it into your last bit ever? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That, that could be. That could be. I'm going to use this soon. Yeah, right. <laughs> These are just practice That's guns. That's it. He's still loaded, <laughs> <laughs> that last guy killed, literally. <laughs> oh, shit. So the, what's, what's the new movie you're in then? Uh, uh, the new movie uh, is called In Plain View, uh, written by Joe and produced by Joe Conforti, directed by Tom Kemp. Yeah. Got some good folks in it. Tony V's going to be in it. Oh, I'm going to be playing a, uh, a womanizing, a sleazy politician, alcoholic drug addict, which once again means I'm the victim of typecasting. <laughs> so... <laughs> But, uh, uh, and now, who else? Let me see. Uh, Bobby Wahlberg's in it, and um, uh, Tom Hamilton, if his schedule allows, from Aerosmith is going to be in it. Wow. And a whole slew of other people. What it's going to be a webisode. They're going to shoot the 20-minute pilot, and then the rest of the film will be in, tw I think, 20-minute segments, and... I can't tell you how many there'll be because I suck at math. So. Well, that's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's, it's a great script. I read the entire script as a screenplay, and it's, it's really good. Joe wrote a great script. Oh, know? that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And yeah. do you do the stand-up anymore? Once in a while, I do it. I do more writing. Usually, if I do, uh, if I do any stand-up, it's like related to recovery. Like, it's the place Right Turn, where, yeah. uh, the, where the, we do. You guys know Right Turn? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a creative, uh, it's a recovery place that's geared for creative people, and we do a lot of comedy shows and fundraisers and stuff over there. I do that a lot, but mostly writing, Actually, I actually wrote a play about uh, stand-up that the, the, this play, Stickball Productions, who just did um, uh, recently just did an adaptation of the Friends of Eddie Coyle that you might have, people might have seen. Yeah. And uh, they they got a show called Bouncers and stuff now, and they've read this. The play that I wrote is called At the Funny Factory, and it's based on the Doing Ding that. Ho. Oh, yeah, really? Basically, it's it's set back in the '80s, and the and it's it's the Ding Ho and characters are consolidations of real people and yeah, just you mash them up and yeah kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that yeah. was the fucking classic club yeah well great it's good to see you man George McDonald thanks for having me thanks, guys. right now it's my pleasure to bring on a guy that is legendary he's one of the funniest fucking guys that ever lived I haven't seen him in about twenty years I didn't know if he was still alive or he he would make it even. When I used to see this guy wandering around town when we were both drunks, I would show up in a room and he'd go, oh, look, the marinated man. The marinated man is here. Teddy Bergeron, ladies and gentlemen. 
I'm doing all right, Teddy. It's terrific. Boston. Yeah. I love Boston. Yeah? Well, you love Boston. Everybody, sure. Everybody loves Boston. Absolutely, Teddy. I'll be like on the road. Yeah. I'll be working in Texas or yeah. Florida. Yeah. I mentioned I'm from Boston. There's always someone, oh, really? I'm from Boston, too. And I'm like, oh, really? What part? Maine. <laughs> <laughs> i fucking so glad to see you, man. Oh, it's good. It's good to see you, Mark, and I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing well. Really, I really am. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, so, so surprised. Not surprised. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised with myself for being able to pick them out. Oh, Yay. yeah. yeah. Good right. spin. Good spin. Well, I'm a little tired. Yeah, all right. I'm getting no sleep. I have recurring dreams. I, uh, nightmares, you know. Yeah. I, uh, I'm being chased by giant alligators and lizards and, yeah. and crocodiles, and I can't go back to sleep. I, yeah. I told my doctor. Yeah. He said I have reptile dysfunction. Oh, shit. What do you take for that? Uh, what do I take? <laughs> 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 anyway, look, yeah. hey, look at the energy you bring here. Yeah, yeah. Because energy is important, Mark. Yeah, it is. You know that in comedy, in life. I, yes. Life is, a, we live in a duality. It's positive, negative energy. Yeah, right. Back and forth, we fight with it. Yeah. Happens to me. I see a woman. Yeah. Positive energy. She wants me. Yeah. Then the negative energy comes in. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful woman like her want with somebody like you. Yeah. Then the positive returns. Maybe she's an idiot. <laughs> Because negative energy is no good for comedy. Yeah. We're in the theater district. Peter yeah. Pan, they play, they, I saw the sign. Yeah. I went to see Peter Pan on Broadway. Yeah. There's always some guy in the crowd that would want anybody to have fun, right? Right. Okay? Yeah. And all the kids are excited. And Sandy Duggan yeah. played, you know, yeah. Peter. She yeah. took a bow and yeah. she flew above the crowd. And all the kids are like, oh, look at her fly, look at her fly. And there's always that jerk in the back and a deep voice. Yeah. She's on a wire! <laughs> She's not flying, she's on a wire. There's no Santa Claus and she's on a wire. <laughs> no, she's flying, she's on a wire. It's <laughs> gonna break, she'll land on you, you'll die. <laughs> how would you like to be, how would you like to be an Olympic performer? Yeah. They perform in front of those, those guys that never, the sportscasters, are they a little yeah. negative, a little critical? Yeah. Because you watch like a diver. Yeah. And he's off the board. Yeah. And he backflips into a double somersault. Yeah. And he spins out of that to the left and the right, upside down, yeah. triple cartwheel into the water. You're like, wow. And you hear, no, that's a shame. <laughs> it's, you got to remain positive. It's yeah. hot in Boston. Yeah. Because you got to drive into traffic. I yeah. know that. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Boston Travis is going to piss you off. Yeah, yeah, I don't right. care. You could be the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Maybe on a blind date trying to show how thoughtful you are. Yeah. Oh, you look so special. And because you look special, I'm going to take you to my favorite restaurant because it's special just like you. <laughs> and, and it's not far from here either. No, it's just down the road a piece. And we should be there just as soon as fuck Hank gets out of the way. <laughs> Oh, look at this asshole! <laughs> asshole wouldn't be here if it wasn't for fuckhead! 
Uh, but you're going to love this place. It's uh, <laughs> got a great atmosphere. It's got great ambience. It's, oh, you can't drive in Massachusetts. And, and, and uh, I know it's Easter and religious and everything, but this is the last state that Mother Teresa visited. Yeah. Do you remember that, Mark? Sure. She was in New Bedford, Massachusetts. That was her last pilgrimage. And there was a priest that drove us to the high mass. Yeah. No, I'm sure it happened to him. Yeah. He's like, oh, Mother Teresa. When the bishop told me that I'd be driving you to the mass, I felt so blessed as if the good Lord himself was smiling down upon. Now, there's a high mass at 10 and an early rosary at 9, which we're not going to make with this fucking traffic. <laughs> Watch my language. That's easy for you to say, you're not driving this shit. <laughs> No, you don't have to drive anyway, do you? Because you're Teresa. <laughs> and everybody's got to kiss your ass. Who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> oh, yeah. Teddy! Yeah. Oh, this is so good. This is so funny. Do you think any Catholics are left in the room now? Sure, yeah. You know, they can handle it. They're built Teresa, to take it. You know, yeah, they're all I'm right. afraid, you know, I was raised Catholic. I'm mm-hmm. going to pass away. I'm afraid I'll you know, be walking into heaven. She'll be sitting in the, in the gates of heaven. You know, There's the son of a bitch. <laughs> Been waiting for you, funny guy. Hey, do the Mother Teresa thing. <laughs> the one you did on Mark Maron's show yeah. at the Wilbur Theater, and you thought you were so fucking funny. <laughs> well, do it right now for St. Peter. See if they think you're so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, it's good to see you. I, I'm up for this moment. I heard you would do it. I, I got up for it. Yeah, I'm so fucking I, great. I, it's hard to, I had to track you down. You're not easy. You know, they have websites and phones now. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, I got a, a pass for the night. Yeah, and I asked oh, okay. to go back to, you know. <laughs> I, yeah. I talked to the doctors yeah, and yeah, let me yeah. out for a couple yeah, of hours. You know what? I, I, fucking, uh, I fucking believe that. <laughs> I remember you used to talk about your father a lot. Well, he had, he had no, he was a negative guy too. No faith in me. No kidding. Oh my God. No matter, Christmas morning. What a happy time for a kid. I'd have my new toy. I'd run across the room, show it to daddy. Yeah. And he'd smile and say, let's see you bust it now. <laughs> and I got all freaked out and dropped it, you know. No matter what. You know, I'd be at the dinner table and ask for a glass of milk. Yeah, spill all over the table. <laughs> you know, he used to announce my Little League games. No. Oh, yeah, he did the play-by-play over the air. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a fly ball in deep center field. Going back for us to my son, watch him drop it. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped it. Now watch the little son of a bitch. He's going to kick it around for half an hour and then throw it right into the fucking stands. <laughs> Yeah, my. <laughs> yeah. You're leading me into some good stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, just... you ever? Uh, you ever? Well, by yeah. the way, did you ever? I know you were a class clown. Yeah. I was a class clown. Yeah. Did you ever call the school in the morning and get out of it? You make your voice deep. It's like, yeah. hello, uh, Teddy Bergeron can't come to school today. He's sick. Who's speaking? Um, this is my father. <laughs> <laughs> Did your mother ever call you a son of a bitch? Yeah, sure. That was an odd mama, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. You son of a bitch! Well, I agree with you. <laughs> you ever read, do, you ever, do you ever look at your horoscope? My, oh, my horoscope. Well, I'm a cancer. I'm a cancer. That's, uh, 
Well, because you look at the other yes, ones. Yeah. You're Aquarius, take a vacation, you deserve it. This is your year, you know. You know, Sagittarius, you've worked hard. You know, you should relax. Good things are happening for you. Cancer, buy a shotgun. <laughs> Place your mouth over the barrel and pull the trigger. You owe it to yourself and your friends. <laughs> Denny Bergeron, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move it down and get DJ out here. That was beautiful. You feel good? I had fun. I love it. All right. My hometown. Right now, it's my pleasure to bring out a man that inspired me, Louis C.K., and spawned an entire generation of Boston comics, DJ Hazard, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Let's do it. DJ. Yeah, microphones and everything. Yes. Five of you fuckers are spitting on this thing. So. <laughs> I'm going to like Ebola. This is the guy that Rick was talking about who went into the diner with him. Who got mistaken as a fucking serial killer. What's the chance of <laughs> <laughs> going on? Yeah. I remember you used to drive around a man your size in a Subaru Brat. Subaru Brat. It's driving a little. You just like you literally just see your head in the Subaru Brat. Do you remember what was written on the side? No. Because uh, there was a time in Massachusetts where they tried to fuck us, and uh, any any pickup truck had to have uh, commercial plates, whether yeah. or just for the extra money. Yeah. But you couldn't park in a commercial zone unless you had like lettering on the on the truck. So I said, "This is fucking war." <laughs> yeah. So I went to this truck lettering guy. The next day, it rolled out Hazard Institute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And it had like numbers on the side of the truck, like it was it was like a part of a fleet. Yeah. And it was backwards on the hood like an ambulance so they could read it in the yeah. mirror. <laughs> fuck you, don't fuck with me. <laughs> Do you uh so like when 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 I was starting, I remember seeing you played against Sam's in yeah. probably nineteen eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're just you, you just like you were fucking, you know, intense and like you're oh I remember it was like the, the ceiling was so low you almost hit the fucking ceiling. Yes. Do you remember those fucking times? Do you remember uh, when I make the whole audience talk to the movie room above? Oh, oh yeah, there was a movie theater. But upstairs, if anybody remember, there was a movie, you know, it was a movie bar upstairs and, and the ceiling. And I'd have like 200, 250 people and I'd teach them. Like, some people had known it already. They'd say, on a count of three, we're all going to say, waitress, can I have some popcorn here? No over here. No over here. <laughs> Ah, forget it. <laughs> Why do the in the movie room? Yeah, what the fuck? Haunted. When when uh, now so like you know when you like you used to drive him around, you used to drive Louis around. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Louis. No, 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 no. Nobody drove Louis. <laughs> oh, that's right. He had all yeah. those fucking cars. Louis. Louis. Never had a license because Louis's cruising speed, his average speed was 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always getting his, his license revoked, but he still fucking drove. And it was like being in an attack. Actually, at one point, yeah. he wanted to uh, join the Air Force and be a, 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 a killer helicopter pilot. <laughs> they must have seen him out on the bike because I'd never seen a guy so quickly weave between. He had like foresight. He was like psychic. He knew where every car was. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> And he was like 12. How old yeah, was he? Yeah, he was, he was his little howdy-doody puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he drove like a maniac. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And, and back then, the telephone company had this chat room, mm -hmm. right? And uh, where, where kids, teenagers could call and talk to each other. And they had moderators. 
to, to moderate the chat. And, and, and he, if it was a guy, it was Jack, if it was a girl, it was Jill. He was moderating a teenage chat room on the phone. <laughs> Louis fucking CK. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to say, I don't know. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> so, so when he started coming around Sam's, and, and uh, uh, you know, I, I said, someone's got to watch out after this guy at least one night a week. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Barry Katz. Yeah, sure. Barry Katz, big famous agent now. But he started uh, open micer doing the door at Played Against Sam's when Chance Langton used to have the yeah. shows there. And Chance Langton and the owner played against Sam's never got along. Well, one night there was a meltdown and, and the owner played against you, fuck you, get the fuck out of my club, never fucking come back. He goes to Barry Katz, you, you're running the show. Yeah. And that was his... That's how he did it? That's how he got it. Chance is yeah. out, Barry's in. Right. Now, Barry Katz, if, if you don't know him, he's like the most Aryan Jew in the world. Yeah. He's... <laughs> really? He's like six foot seven, blonde, Right? He, yeah. he looks like a Norse god. Yeah. But when he opens his mouth, he sounds like Penny Marshall and Jack Nicholson had a baby. I'm a big Jew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hung, he used to say, I'm hung like a vitamin. <laughs> yes. Yeah, can, you, can you go out there and do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so he, he, he started running the shows. And, uh, but he wasn't around. He hired some girl at the top of the stairs to collect the money, and like, we were just fucked. Yeah. So Louis, I said, dude, if you help me run the room, you could do a set every Friday. I was there every Friday. So that, and he would like, oh, I sucked. I'm not coming back. No, no, come back. I need you to run the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're working for me <laughs> yeah, now. Work for me, yeah. So uh, he, I know, he's very generous, and he says, like, I kind of like... Uh, Stopped him from joining the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God you did. Yeah. That would have no. been a different Louis. Well, I don't know what we would have gotten there. Pity the enemy. There'd be no fucking wars. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be over. Like, like yeah, like, you know, Iraq, six yeah. minutes. Fuck you. Goodbye. Yeah. What, um, so, like, are you still doing a lot of stand-up? You still no. out there? No. No. <laughs> As little as fucking possible. Yeah, is it I, over? Yeah, it's over. Really? Yeah. Barry Katz is mad at him. <laughs> Barry well, Katz is mad at no. you? Yeah, yeah, Barry Katz, he's, he's blackballed me. I, uh, yeah, so, so I moved to New York, like, I don't know, seven years ago, and uh, remember what I, you're telling me backstage, what yeah. I said, my, my goal in life yeah. was to be... The ultimate bad guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, but you said yes. that when we were drinking all yes. night. Yes. And we were all hopped up. We were all, we're all fucking And you used to have a goatee. Yes, and he's in my face down. going, you know what I want to be? The ultimate movie bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you work with what you got. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I've, I've become like the king of the noir indies, okay? So, like, I've been a gangster, a retired hitman. A serial killer, yeah. uh, cult leader, yeah. uh, groundskeeper for an abandoned mental hospital. Yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah, and, uh, and just recently, uh, there's a, a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah. Where Jaleel White is, does the voice of Sonic. Yeah. I am Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You still got the Subaru Brat? No, that, she died in California. I felt bad. I, I had to like put her down. Yeah. It was like she broke her back, literally. She, was, she had New England rust, and, and, and I was driving to Oregon, and she cracked in half. <laughs> and, and I said, I brought her into a shop, this mechanic, and I got towed. And I said, well, this front wheel drives, so you can, can you just like kind of like cut it in half? 
and put like some shopping cart wheels on the back. <laughs> he said, no, nah, that's not legal. I said, I don't fucking care about legal. I just want to keep my car. <laughs> Do you still play guitar? Oh, yeah, once in a, once in a blue moon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, yeah, what the fuck? I, learned, I know how to play guitar, so I... I... <laughs> It's like I know how to cook. Do you still eat? <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss doing stand-up? No, I, now it's special. Like, I come back to see you guys, you know, once a couple, you know, five times a year. I say, you know, I do Rick's Comedy Studio. I do some special show somewhere. So now it's fun. Now I want to fucking do it. I got so tired of listening to myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. if you see in my act, I was listening to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fucking great. The acting thing's working out, and you look great. Thank you, brother. And it's great to see you. DJ Hazard, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, people. Teddy Bergeron, George McDonald, Rick yeah. Jenkins, Sue Costello. Dan Crone, thank you for coming for live WTF. I hope you had a good time. We got to be out of here by midnight. I hope everybody, I hope everybody feels good. Thank you for listening to the show. Good night, Boston. Kick on the music. Let's do it. <laughs>